You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. By faith, just release it. Release it now. He's in control. He's in control. You can trust Him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. We'll go ahead and be seated in the presence of God this morning. Be seated in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for the presence of the Spirit? That's what the promise of the Father is. You all are quiet this morning. Are you thankful for the promises of God? Amen, someone. Let's give our worship team a hand. Come on, let me give you a hand here. Let's give our worship team a hand this morning. Hallelujah. Did you all have a good week? Hello, are you going to talk to me this morning? Did y'all have a good week? Come on, someone say, I had a great week. All right, all right. Have you been praying? Anybody been in prayer? I'm going to do like you. I'm not going to talk to you. You don't talk to me, right? I just, I just, well, we're just going to sit here in the silence. Y'all been praying this week? All right. I want to go ahead and have us turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning, if you have your Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We started a series that I want to continue in through the fall, the next couple weeks. How many remember what the series is on? Someone say it louder, say prayer. This is what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in verse 17. And, you know, I decided to call this series the wonderful results of prayer. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17, Three words, never stop praying. Now that's your memory verse for the week. Okay, so, so, so if you come back next week and you don't know that verse, then we're going to pray for you. Because you have this verse memorized in the next 30 seconds. Let's say it all together, never stop praying. Now I told you last week what this verse means now. Okay, and if you break it up in the Greek, and if you put it in the Latin, and you take it through the Hebrew, and you put it in every language you can possibly think of, this verse means this. Are you ready for it now? Never stop praying. It means that you should always be praying. It means that through the high times and the low times, through good times and bad, if you're going through or if you are coming out, that there should always be a reason for you to pray. And the reason why we should pray is quite simply, you know, we should speak for itself, is because prayer is communication with God. When you're praying, you have a communication line set up between you and the Lord. And it's not just talking to God, because people that say prayer is talking to God make it as though God never talks to them. But when you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will begin to literally talk to you. You say, Pastor, how does the Holy Spirit talk to me? Well, I wrote a whole book on it. It's called Living as a Spirit, and it's in the back. Maybe we should do a series on that. Did you? Who's read that book? If you've read that book, raise your hand. Is it a good book? It's a good book, right? Don't say no now, then you're in the wrong church. Amen. I'm just teasing. 
Or I talk about how the Spirit of God speaks to you. And I really would like to tell you that if you, uh, you know, at any point have ever felt that uh, the Spirit of God has been talking to you, He probably was. You ever have that still small voice tell you not to do something and you do it and then all of a sudden it's just, you just have a difficult time and you pay the price because you didn't listen to that still small voice inside of you. Well, guess what? That was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, don't take 696. And you took 696 and there you were sitting in traffic for the next hour, right? You said, somebody told me I shouldn't have done that. Well, that was the Holy Spirit, dumb, dumb. Now you know. Amen. I'm talking to myself. I'm not, you're not the dumb, I'm the dumb dumb. I was doing that the other day. I was coming down 96 and I just felt like I should take an M5. And I took 96 because I wanted to pass the mall just to see it, right? I see it every day. I just want to pass the mall just to see it. And I found out the exit was closed. I had 15 extra minutes on my drive. But that was the Holy Ghost. Hey, hey Chris, you know, take the other way. He cares about that aspect of my life. He cares about every single aspect of your life. He cares more about your life and your eternal destiny than you care about your life and your eternal destiny. And if he cares so much that you don't take the wrong exit, think about how much he cares that you make it into heaven to be with him forever. Can I get an amen this morning? I didn't think God cared that much about me. No, you don't care that much about yourself. But God, He loves you. He cares about you. He's always thinking about you. Your problem is His problem. And He wants you to cast that burden onto Him this morning. Can I get an amen? Okay. But I want to talk to you about a specific aspect of prayer this morning. So many times we believe in praying for ourselves. And I encourage you to pray for yourself. You are the best prayer for your... The, the, the person that can pray for you best is yourself. Don't come ask me for prayer. I'll be happy to pray for you. But don't come ask me for prayer unless you already pray for yourself. Amen. I mean, at least if you're a mature Christian. Because I might ask you, do you pray for yourself? And you say, no. Then I say, oh, how do you expect me to pray for you? You don't pray for yourself. If you don't pray for yourself, you can't pray for me. Amen, someone. But I want to talk to you this morning about intercession. And what is the purpose of intercession? Because I will tell you this, the power of your marriage is going to be based upon the power of your intercession for your spouse. Well, I just don't like my spouse. You know, my spouse is just, just acting crazy. Are you praying for him? No. He's not praying for me though. Well, that's why your marriage is being fumbled right now. Is because you're not committed to praying. When I marry couples, I'm doing a wedding in a couple weeks. When I do the wedding, the one thing I will say to them, even if I don't counsel them, before I marry you, I have to know one question. Before you say I do, are you committed to praying for your spouse? Because if you're not committed to praying for your spouse, you can bet that that marriage is not going to make it through the turbulence. Can I get an amen somebody? Alright, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to go with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Romans 8 and verse number 26. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 26, The Spirit itself... Maketh intercession, someone say intercession, for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Bible says here, the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. If you're writing notes, I want you to take this down when you say, what is intercession? Intercession is this. It is you and God partnering together in prayer. 
intercession is you and God partnering together in prayer. Intercession, if you're writing notes, you can take this down as well, is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus working through a person who is using faith in prayer. The Bible says here in Ephesians chapter... Are you all here this morning? Come on, stir it up, stir it up. Come on, come on. The Bible says... Della's back there laughing. She knows. Come on, let's get excited. Ephesians 3 and verse 16. I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. The Bible says here, let me read it one more time. I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Now, here's the problem. Some of you are looking at me like I just told you, you have to vacuum the house. You know, people don't like vacuuming the house. There's nobody that likes doing that. Nobody likes doing the laundry. Nobody likes pumping gas, right? You know, you look at your gas gauge and you're like, oh, it's a quarter tank. Oh, man, i got to drive 15 miles. That's the worst thing for me. I can't stand pumping gas. I hate going to the gas station because once I get to the gas station, after I pump that gas, it's like a magnet pulls me inside and I go looking around for the cupcakes and I start loving I go looking around for the ices. The other night it was 11.30 at night. And I had to go somewhere in the morning. I looked at the gas and I said, I don't want to get it in the morning. I'll just get it tonight. The gas station is more lively at night anyway, right? So I go into the gas station. I shouldn't have been in there. Because I was like, okay, I'm just going to get a Powerade. Because I like Powerade when I, you know. And I went from getting a Powerade to getting a Powerade and getting an Icy. And I got an Icy. And I got cupcakes. And I come walking out to the gas station thinking, what are you doing, Chris? It's 1130. You got orange cupcakes and you got Icy's. If you want to bless your pastor, send them orange hostesses cupcakes. I'll be in the back there just, just, just you know, having to repent afterwards. Amen. Orange cupcakes. Oh, they're so good. Do you like those Damar orange? Oh, my. He's like, no, I don't. Y'all going <laughs> to... Okay. Yeah, but, but I'm saying this because you're all looking at me like I told you you have to pump gas. Let me read this one more time. I pray that from His unlimited glorious resources, He will empower you with the strength of His Spirit. Let me say this to you. That God has given unto you the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And the way that the power of the Spirit is released in your life is when you tap the place of prayer. Many Christians, when they have this going on in their life, you can see it in the way they walk. You can see it in the way they speak. You see it in the way they come into church. I can tell if the church has been praying on Sunday morning because the people come into church and they're looking like soldiers. They're looking like they won a battle. They're looking like they got their boots dirty. They're looking like they did something for Jesus. I can see when people have not been praying. They come into the church looking like they've been slaughtered. Looking like pigs that the just enemies just been smacking and whipping and taken to the slaughterhouse all week. And the prayer is the failure. They haven't been cooked up to God. You notice that your week either starts off on the right or the wrong foot based upon your commitment to pray at the beginning of the week. Amen, somebody. People are, and I'm, and I'm talking about prayer. For you that don't pray, I'm not talking about Hail Mary, for the grace of the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thy. Then going through the rosary. I was talking, and I have nothing against. I'm not talking about religious prayer. I share this all the time. I was with somebody doing the rosary, so they were doing it or whatever. I said, Do you have power in your life? They said, What do you mean, power? When temptation comes, are you able to turn it down? No, no. I said, What's the prayer doing for you? 
I said, when, when, when something comes to you, the enemy's affliction comes, are you able to overcome it? No. Then what's this prayer doing for you? It's not pleasing God. God doesn't put prayer because he needs it. God doesn't need your hair, Hail Mary. You need prayer. That's why God gave you the opportunity to connect to him. Can I get an amen, somebody? Prayer is not for God. God didn't need it. God existed before your prayers existed. God needs you. He wants you to come before him and pray because prayer changes you. Prayer changes your community. Prayer changes your church. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Well, brother, I don't know all that prayer. Listen, that's why people usually fall out of prayer. I announce morning prayer. You come, you go do it for a while, but then you fall. And it happens to me too. You have to be consistent, just like going to the gym. Because if you don't do it consistently, the less you want to do it. Hello, somebody. You got to look at that body. Get it straight in the morning. You got to smack it around a few times. Hello, somebody. Get out that shower. Slap yourself in the face if you have to. Throw some cold water on yourself and say, you are going to pray. Because if you don't pray, you will pander into temptation. But that might be a serious problem if it was just you. But it becomes an all the more serious problem. If God has connected this world to work, whereby the success of your brother or sister is hinged upon the willingness of you to pray for them. Amen, somebody. Psalm chapter 139 and verse 15 say this. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. What this scripture is talking about in Psalm chapter 39 is that the psalmist is referring to the destiny that God has placed upon his life. Look at your neighbor next to you and say, you have a destiny. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. God has destined you to do something. And most people today, when they get what, you know, the, the place in their life where they're not satisfied, you know, they get to a place where they're discouraged and whatever. They feel empty inside is what they say. The reason they feel empty inside is because they're not living what God put inside them to be. You find people that have all the money in the world, they have all the wealth, all the fame, and they want to kill themselves. And the reason is they want to do that is because they're not being what God placed in them to be and they never find the purpose that God had for them in the beginning. That's why they're so depressed. It doesn't matter if you don't make that much money in your life. If you're doing what God has put inside of you to do, you'll be the happiest person in the whole world. I was with a pastor one time. He said, you know, Chris, I've never had any money, but I've done everything I'm supposed to do and I have a great life. He's happy. I don't, he, he, he wasn't saying he was broke. Sometimes we think the only thing, that, the only time that God is really for is if there's stacks and stacks and piles of money in our bank account. But you know what? That's not necessarily prosperity. Prosperity is your quality of life. Can I get an amen, somebody? It's your quality of life. You know, there's Christians that have stacks of money in the bank and they hate themselves. I don't know what to do with all this money. I don't know. God's been with me. I'm just... No, no, no. That's not prosperity. Prosperity is doing what God called you to do. And there always being a provision for you to do it. Amen, someone. This is destiny. But let me tell you this. Satan is trying to stop people's destiny. 
That's why you see so much drugs today. That's why you see so much temptation today. Temptation is the enemy trying to stop you from getting to the place of destiny. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 that God is not willing that any should perish. In other words, God is not willing that anybody should be cut short from the destiny that God has for them. And if you look in the Greek and you see that Hebrews chapter 4 verse 7, you'll see the word destiny there. And it's the Greek word horizon. Now watch this. Horizon is where we get the word horizon. And the Greek word for destiny is the, Greek, is the English word horizon. And when you think about what is a horizon, well, you look out and see a beautiful sunset. How many have seen a beautiful sunset when you weren't in Michigan? Amen. <laughs> you ain't seen a beautiful sunset in Michigan. <laughs> well, it's nice, but compared to some other places, oh, man. You know, there's a, you know, when you go down to the Caribbean, the sunset is so nice down there that when the sun hits the bottom of the horizon, there's a green flash. How many have ever seen that? You go on YouTube and watch it. It's like a little green flash. But you know what? I've never seen it. And I've watched it a hundred times and everybody else sees it. I don't see it. How many are that person? Remember those little things that used to come out? They were those little puzzles and you have to stare at it for like two hours till the thing pops out. I used to, used to come in the TV guides. I was the guy that would look at it. I don't see it. I don't see it. And then for that time, this is before we had iPhones, you know, this is way back. Nobody looks at those things. Now, I would be the guy standing in the bookstore for like two hours with my face in a book. And you'd see people all over just, I don't see it. What do you mean there's a dinosaur? There's a, there's a dinosaur. I don't see a dinosaur. Now, I didn't ever see the green flash. That's how beautiful the sunset is. It's just, pow, green flash everywhere. That's the horizon. And you look at a horizon, that is the place where the heavens meet the earth. And isn't it interesting that the word horizon, when you look at horizon or destiny, you're seeing where heaven meets the earth. A destiny in somebody's life. You're walking in your destiny is when your earthly life meets the supernatural powers of Christ from heaven. A person finds their destiny when heaven gets behind the thing that they're doing. You might do something in your own strength, but you're not walking in your destiny. You say, how I know when I'm walking in my destiny? Because your life feels like this. I got a mission to do. I got, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. Don't stop to slow me. Don't slow me. Listen, don't get in the way of somebody that has a destiny. Because they'll walk right over you. You got a person that has a vision. A vision. You can't see it. Nobody else can see it, but they can see it. Because heaven has touched their life. And when heaven touches their life, the are you here this morning? The power of God comes into their hearts. They get charged with power. You know, I was a child of the 90s, okay? And being a child of the 90s, when it was nice and clean, we used to have WWF wrestling. Hey, remember, remember, Joe, you remember that? WWF wrestling. And you know, when, when one of the wrestlers, Moses is laughing. This is when it was clean before it was dirty. I'd never let a child watch it now, but back then it was fun. I remember when one of the wrestlers got beat up. Hulk Hogan was my favorite. Hulk Hogan used to take a beat down. He used to get beat up so bad. Hurts inflicted. He used to take blood coming down his head, pull the blood capsules out. Nobody would see it. Smash it over his face. Chairs to the head. Bats to the face. Wearing that little yellow spandex bikini, whatever thing, and big giant boots. 
hair falling down his head, and he would fall down. But then all of a sudden, halfway through the wrestling match, he'd start going like this. You remember that? He'd go like this. And then, the, then whoever he was beating down would, huh? acting, oh my gosh. And then Hulk Hogan would go like this. And then he'd start doing this, doing one of these. That's a person that's walking in their destiny. When you find destiny over your life, the devil's beat you down so much. He's hit you with chairs. He's done something to your family. He's tried to cripple you with drug abuse. He's tried to get you in addiction. He's tried to sedate you with women and temptation. But the moment someone's praying for your life, you hit that destiny, you get a charge in your life. You come to church and you hear the gospel. You come to church and someone starts preaching. You come to church. At least I got some people clapping for me over here. Come on, church. You got somebody that's praying for you. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost gets inside of your life. Something starts to change. And you start going like this and the power of God gets upon your life and something in you is different and you look at the enemy understand it your authority in scripture and you say devil it's going to be a bad time for you I got the word of God in my life I got the spirit of God in my life devil I'm backing you down and God starts putting his word in you he starts putting his spirit inside of you and you grab that chair flying elbow smash poof, off the ropes your life has found a destiny but here's the thing. You don't just stumble into it. People today, Christians, just think we're going to stumble into it. Yeah, I'm supposed to be somebody special. I'm just going to stumble on into it. What are you going to do? I'm just going to stumble into it. You got a plan? No. You got a vision? No. You got a purpose? No. How are you going to get there? I don't know. And then a person like that is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Stop with the I'm gonna. The way you're gonna find your destiny, I'll talk to the married couples, as a married couple, is by praying it through somebody. Your spouse is not going to be what Christ called them to be until you pray it into that person. Your child is not going to be what God called them to be until the parent or their guardian prays it into them. Your church is not going to be what God called it to be until the people of the church pray it into the church. Why you have early morning prayers? Someone, why you have it? Because we have to pray the vision out. We have to pray the mission out. We have to pray for the people. Because it just doesn't come that way. And what are you praying for? I'm praying that their natural life meets heaven. It requires prayer. It requires prayer. Someone say prayer. Okay, there you go. Some, some people are here this morning. Go with me real quickly. Go with me quickly if you have your Bible to Luke. Chapter 13. There we go. Luke 13. And verse number 1. Someone say prayer. Someone yell prayer. Prayer. Alright. I get into prayer. I come out charged. I want to see you guys come in. Like Hulk Hogan this week. Next week, Thursday, you come walking in. I'm charged. I'm charged. Amen, somebody. 
You say, I never see that. Go on YouTube. Look it up. You look at everything else on YouTube. Go find it on YouTube. You get the picture. Then Jesus told this story. Verse number one. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden. Came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to the gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. I'm just taking up space. In, it's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered and said, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. What is Jesus talking about in this scripture? Jesus is talking about the enemy of this ministry. The enemy of your life. The enemy of a Christian life. The enemy of any life. is a life that is not fulfilling the destiny it's supposed to. Amen, Brother Palmer. Fruitlessness. How many people today live fruitless lives? They're not producing anything divine. They can make a dollar at work. They can make a, a man or a woman. I, oh, this is terrible. I'm going to say, I saw, I saw, I had to laugh at this one. I saw something. You can download an app on your iPhone now. Y'all like, where is this going? <laughs> Where all you have to do is give them $9.99 a month or something. And it'll give you like a thousand extra likes on every picture you put on Instagram. Yeah. And I thought to myself, you talk about stupid. Fruitless. Mindlessness. That you care that much about how many likes a picture gets on the internet. That ain't doing nothing for you. It's not putting money in your bank. It's not making your quality of life better. It's not doing anything for anybody. And I'm going to tell you something. People are going to look at you like you're crazy when your picture has 2,000 likes and all you have is 50 followers. What is going on here? That's fruitlessness. And I look at, and when I read and God, you know, when God, let me share this with you. We had a little family time here. When the Spirit of God told me to start the church, I was in prayer on Memorial Day weekend. And I was grieving because I had just seen two celebrities that had made a mockery of each other. And it was all over the news. And it seemed that so many people cared. And I cried out to God in my prayer closet. I was just sad about it. I said, there's so much darkness today, God. And the Lord says, we need the light of today. I said, oh, sounds like a good church name. And found out that nobody was headed on a website. Found out that nothing you Googled, nothing came up for Light of Today, just a Pearl Jam song. I said, well, nobody cares about that. I said, my God, it's, <laughs> it, this is us, this is ours, this is, this is our church. I know that's the Light of Today. We're the Light of Today. And what are you trying to tell? How are you not to be fruit, uh, fruitless in your life? How you can be fruitful? And we got so many young people today. All they care about is the next Snapchat update. All they care about is the next Instagram post. All they care about is being a self-entitled and self-proclaimed somebody. But their lives are fruitless. And here's the problem. A fruitless life gets cut down. God sometimes, see God is patient. He will see a fruitless thing. God will say, ah, give it more time. Give it more time. Give it more time. Give it more time. 
Give it more time. Give it more time. Give it more time. Three years this man waited. No fruit on his life. And many times the mercy of God gets tested. It's called, I'm writing about it in my book on fools. It's called being high-handed. A fool is high-handed. That means they're not just sinning in ignorance. They're sinning knowingly to God. The Israelites sinned and they were called stiff-necked. I've taught on it before. Why are they called stiff-necked? Well, I'll teach it on one night. Stiff-necked, rebellion. Not only do they sin, they say, huh. Look, God, what you gonna do about it? Is that all you got? <laughs> Look at us. That's how people do today. High-handedness. And when you have been so high-handed, God says, it's time to cut it down. I can't do nothing with them. But Jesus is teaching in this scripture, if you're writing notes, the mercy of God can be extended through the power of an intercessor. That though bad things might happen, an intercessor comes along and says, no, wait a second, God, hold on. I know you want to cut it down. I know you want to stop dealing with them. I, I, I listen, God, I know, I know, I know, but. Come on, that's intercession. I know, I know, I know, but. Come on, listen to me. You gotta, this is going to change your life. Because there's something, there's somebody in your life that's fruitless. There's somebody in your life that mocks the servants of God. There's somebody in your life that is, they, all they do is create problems. Problems in the family, problems at home, problems, a pro, how many know a, pro, a problematic person? Hello, are you here? Uh, come on, come on. A problematic person just, just creating issues. And the reason why is because they have no connection to God. And if all they do is create problems, they're fruitless. And the scary thing about that is that time, you never know. I'm not just talking about death. I'm talking about some type of judgment in their life. I don't just mean they die. I mean that they get sick. I mean that something bad happens, a tragedy, or they find some type of crisis, or they go into a depression. I mean a serious problem could end up coming their way unless an intercessor cares on them to say, but hold on, God. Listen to me right now. That's why we have churches in the city. Because the churches are not supposed to just have a band and play music at a festival. They're not just supposed to come together and have potluck. The church is supposed to come together as a light in the intercessor and saying, God, we know Detroit has its problems. We know Farmington Hills has its problems. We know there's issues, but God, just, just wait a few more minutes. God, please wait. Bad things happen to people many times because people don't have intercessors. Can I say it one more time? Bad things happen to people sometimes because people don't often have intercessors. And that is the power in intercession. Are y'all following me this morning? And so when you pray and you take it upon yourself to be the responsibility for another person, then things can start to change. The man said in the scripture, now listen, God, listen. Don't, 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 don't cut it down. Why? Because obviously 
to that gardener, that tree meant something. I don't know what it is about the tree, but the tree, it was important. The most important thing you can do for somebody that's important in your life is prayer. That's why I say, you have to pray for that. I, I don't, and, and, and here's the thing, I'm not talking about just any type of prayer. I'm talking about fervent prayer. Hello, somebody. Somebody say fervent prayer. Go with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Fervent prayer. Fervent prayer. It says in James 5 and verse 16. Come on, somebody say, I'm here this morning. Okay. James 5 and verse number 16. This is what it says. James 5, 16, the effectual, the effectual, the Greek word for effectual means is energeo. It means there's an energy, it's working, it's at work. You guys see, ever see the construction workers busting up a sidewalk, moving bulldozers, pushing concrete? You know what I'm talking about? You see the little sign that says $100,000 for hitting a worker. You slow the car up and you just look at people at work. You know, traffic in, in construction is not because of the construction. It's because cars slow down because they had never seen a construction worker doing work before. You ever see that? You ever see a big traffic jam? Then all of a sudden you get to the clog and it's just a car on the side of the road refueling the gas tank. Still one lane open. You say, what's the problem? Problem is no one's ever seen a guy refueling a gas tank before. They all want to look at the guy. Wow, he's putting gas in the gas tank. Never seen that before. You see a construction worker pushing things, moving things. This is energeo. It's at work. Your prayer is like a construction worker. It's pushing things. It's moving things. It's lifting things. It's busting things up. Hello, somebody. Okay, that's what I like to hear. It's at work. It says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. The word here, fervent, means heartfelt. It means putting forth power. A fervent prayer is what you want to offer somebody that you care for. When you sense that somebody in their life is going to be fruitless, is being fruitless, and you care about that person so much that you don't want to see bad things happen to their life. The answer, what God is calling for, is fervent prayer. Hello, somebody. You don't just get up and go to the place of prayer. Lord, I pray for them. Yeah. What's going on? Oh, what's going on on Instagram? Oh, I like that picture. I like that picture. Did you pray for me? Yep. I'm laughing. No. That's not fervent prayer. Fervent prayer, number one, comes from the heart. It comes from your heart. It's, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, have you ever prayed for something close to your heart? I mean, you're just pouring it out to God. You just, God, I just, oh God, oh God, I just, oh God, God, I got. So it's coming from your heart. Number two, it's focused. It's focused. Your mind's not all over the place. You, I mean, you, you, you know exactly what it is you're praying about. You know exactly who you're praying about. And you know you exactly the request for that person that you're making before God. It's prayed in faith. 
It's not, oh God, oh. I'm going to start talking about faith in this church soon because we need to do a series on it because we're going to walk in faith. Not in, oh. You'd be better not praying. Go on the go-karts. Go putt-putt. Don't pray if you're going to act like that. Get in the Word of God. Go eat. That'll make you feel better. It makes everyone feel better. Even me. Amen. Some of y'all are like, well, you're feeling real good lately. Yeah. It's persistent. Fervent prayer doesn't give up. And here's the best part about it. It gets directly to the point. You're praying for somebody that you care about. I was out to eat last night. Someone said, bless the food. I said, Father, thank you for this food. In Jesus' name, we bless it. Amen. And they said, you get right to the point. I said, that's the way God likes it. Amen. Hey, listen, here's a tip. Here's your little onion ring in your, in, in your French fry this morning, okay? You know, I say that because you go, you, you go to Burger King, you drive through the drive-thru, you order French fries, and there's an onion ring in there, right? Makes your day. It's a little extra on the side. Here it is. You ready? When you're praying for the food, just pray for the food and be done with it. Don't go praying for the forest fires in California. Pray for that on your own time. Where people, the food's getting cold. Pray for the food. Don't start thanking God for every person individually at the table. I thank God for Joe, and I thank God for Steve, and I thank God for Mary. Just pray for the food and be done with it. You don't want to pray. You ever notice people really don't want to pray until they pray for the food? Then they'll always pray ever. It's directly to the point. When you pray, if I could have Caleb come, please. Get, I don't know, come up here and stop getting me to think about food. Amen. When you pray fervently, things are going to change. Hello, somebody. When you pray fervently, that means in your life this week, in your own personal world, find the person, find the individual who's been fruitless. You say, what's fruitlessness? They don't know Jesus. Listen, you don't know Jesus? You don't want to commit to following Jesus? The Bible says you're going to go to hell. You never knew him. You rejected Jesus. There's heaven and hell, the Bible says. Today we don't talk about that. It's true. You find someone that's depressed. People that's depressed, they can't produce fruit. And I find that people, when they're depressed, they're usually depressed as a result of their own rebellion. The majority of the people I find that are depressed, the reason they're depressed is for no godly reason. Now I will say this, maybe I should do a series on depression, godly. And I don't mean depression, I mean sadness. Because not all sadness is bad sadness. Christians, many times, in sometimes in this, we get into uh, overextension of uh, what we believe prosperity is. We believe that there's never a time to be sad. Yeah, there's plenty of men of God sometimes go through serious sadness. And they gotta fight. They gotta fight. They gotta fight. They gotta fight. It's what'll happen to you. It doesn't mean something's wrong. I'm not talking about that sadness. I'm talking about sadness that comes as a result of disobedience. This comes with the regret. It comes with the pain. It comes with the, 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 the uncertainty of what you're living. And, and listen, the reason why disobedience is so bad is in the end, disobedience will always embarrass you. A person that's disobedient today will be embarrassed tomorrow. Sometimes obeying today causes you to feel embarrassed.
taking a stand for Jesus. I'm going to take a stand for Jesus when my friends aren't. I'm going to do, I'm going to obey the will of God even though everybody looks to be doing better than me. I'm just going to obey even if I have to obey alone. And it's sad and it's going to be embarrassing but I can tell you what, it won't be as embarrassing as when sin catches up with people and they live their life in humiliation. Hello, you know what I'm talking about? But you find people that way if you care about them, you go pray for them. I say this, every ministry, every ministry is backed by great intercessors. Every ministry is back. See, when, what I try to teach in the ministry is this. When you come to this church, if you join, you become a part of the ministry, you're committing to say, I'm going to pray for the ministry. Because we can't go do the vision that God has for us until we have people praying for the ministry. People supporting the pastor. People supporting the pastor's arm. Just like Aaron held up Moses' arms. And Moses, listen, I know I'm just going to hold up your arms. I'm going to hold up your arms. I'm just going to stand there and I'm going to hold them up. I'm going to hold them up. That's intercession. You get behind that person. You can hold the arms up. If God tells me to do something, you say, okay, pastor, we'll hold your arms up and help you do it. We're going to get out there. We're going to serve. We're going to get out there in the parking lot. We're going to get out on the worship team. I know I'm not that great of a singer, but I'm going to get up there because it's what God tells us to do. It's part of intercession. Same thing in a marriage. Same thing in a marriage. You got to say, listen, I know I, I, your breast stinks when you wake up in the morning. You leave your socks. I, I, why don't you put your socks in the hamper? Why you leave the toilet seat up? But I'm going to pray for you because I love you. And I want to see the will of God come to pass in your life. Married couples, you should know. Oh, come on. Listen, listen, listen. You should know the will of God for your spouse. And you should commit and give your whole life to praying that through. You wake up in the morning, you say, Ah, my husband, I'm praying for him this morning. Rasakati. You know what, women? You need to be like lions when it comes to your husband. You need to make sure you defend that man in prayer. You're not letting anyone get close to that man. You're going to get to my husband? Devil, I'm pushing you back because there's Jezebels out there. They'll try and tempt your husband. Satan's going to send a women that are going to try and tempt your husband into sinning. You better push them back and say, No, 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 no. No, I'm praying. I'm praying right now. I love my husband. Yeah, but he's not saved. I don't care. I'm praying for him. He's not going to fall into any more sin. I'm praying for him. Men, you need to be sensitive to your wife. You need to protect your wife in prayer. You need to get behind that wife and pray her through. God puts something. You're the husband. Husband is a gardening term. It means to cut and to pluck and to perfect. Give me a garden and put it in. Just, if you don't do nothing with it, it gets weeds and stuff all inside of it. That's what happens. Women, you need a husband. Because without a man, you know, weeds start growing and this and that. You get a husband in there. Starts clipping stuff. Man, you find a wife. You find out she likes little art things. She likes uh, doing little computer things. Your job is to put your energy into making her better at those things. One friend I know, he has a, he's lives away from here. He taught me, he said, you know, Palmer, I found that the secret to my marriage is finding what my wife is good at and investing our money and our finances into that thing to making her better at it because if she doesn't become good at it it's my fault because I'm the clipper I'm the husband that means some of you men are going to have to get in the gym with those yoga pants on do Pilates with your wife amen I didn't say yoga I said Pilates you know you see some men the first time they get in there But in return, women, you be that lioness at home. 
You should know by the Spirit when there's a tempter in the bush. You should know by the Spirit when there's a snake in the garden. Cover each other like Forrest and Bubba. I got your back, Forrest. You got my back, Bubba. Amen. Everybody knows that. Back to back. This is us. Don't marry someone if they don't know how to pray. Oh, you got muscles? That's nice. You got flowing long blonde hair? That's nice. Do you know how to pray? Well, I, I don't know. Mm -mm. Like girl, right? <laughs> Sorry. And listen, you better see him pray. Don't just go on Instagram and see Instagram Charlie every Sunday. He's hand in his hand like this in church. You better know how he can pray in person. You know those guys that every Sunday, every, they're in this club on Saturday and they're on Instagram in church on Sunday, right? You don't need that. You need someone else to pray. I to stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands to God. Let's lift our hands. Let's lift our hands. Come on, prayer will change your life. Prayer will change your life. Let's close our eyes. We've got five minutes. Lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We commit in our hearts this, this very morning, we're going to pray. If you have a spouse, I want you to put your arm around them. I want you to tell them right now, I love you. Hallelujah. Tell them, I love you. Tell them, I forgive you for your mistakes. Come on, say it to them. I forgive you for your mistakes and I commit to praying for you. Say, I will pray for you. I will pray for you despite your weaknesses. I will pray for you despite your failures. I will pray for you because it's my responsibility. I will pray. I will cover you in prayer. Just communicate that to them. Shepona, I feel the presence of God here this morning. Glory to God, Rapasa. And if your spouse is not here, I want you to make a decision to pray for them anyway. Because they will be next to you. They will be next to you. I declare in Jesus' name, they will be next to you. And they will say the same thing to you at some point. In Jesus' name. I declare that in Jesus' name. Rindo Sanga. Rindo Saka. We got two minutes. We're going to pray right now for all the unsaved spouses in Jesus' name. Come on, I want you to join me. I want the married couples to especially aim their prayer with me. We're going to pray for the unsaved spouses that they come to know Jesus, that they surrender their heart. Father, I pray for every unsaved spouse in the authority of the name of Jesus. I pray that they would come to the knowledge of the truth. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the rebellion that's in their heart, whatever's causing them to come to know Jesus, I pray that they would come to the knowledge of your will, the knowledge of your truth, God. I pray, Lord, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. Father, I pray that the grip of the enemy would be broke from their life, God. And I pray in Jesus' name that they be saved and born again. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We give you the honor. We give you the praise in the glory. Hallelujah. If you agree with that prayer, if you agree with that prayer, I feel the presence of God here this morning. But we have to close. We have another service we have to respect. Glory, glory, glory. How many are going to pray this week? 
How many are going to pray for your spouse? Raise your hand. How many are going to pray for your family? Raise your hand. How many are going to pray for your pastor? Raise your hand. Yeah. God has me doing some things. I need your prayers. I, I, I need your prayers. Just keep me in prayer. Amen. Well, you look good. I want you to pray this week. We have no service tonight, but we will have Bible study on Thursday. We're talking about how God desires to be worshipped. Amen. We talked about reverencing God. We talked about the reverence side. This week we're going to talk about the worship side. And we'll talk about the sons and daughters side of it. Amen. There's a balance. We are sons and daughters, but at the same time, we need to respect God. Praise God. Hug somebody next to you. Tell them, you are the light of today. Tell them that. Say, you are the light of today. God bless you. Jesus loves you. We'll see you on Thursday in Jesus' name. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer.